Again, thank you for joining us this morning. As I mentioned, I've been so excited to share this uh, message with you this morning, thinking about that idea that it is finished, that the work of the cross, what Jesus came to do, the assignment that his heavenly father gave to him, uh, uh, he was accomplishing it and he finished it and it is done. But when it comes to God, even though, when, even though things might seem to be finished, they're not. That God is a God who can do impossible things. He can do exceeding abundantly above all that we would even ask or think. And so that is a, a wonderful, I think, one of the wonderful lessons of Resurrection Sunday and what we celebrate. And, and when, when I, I look across this crowd this morning, I know that there's a couple of different kinds of people that are here today. There are some of you that, man, that, that revelation, that understanding that Jesus died, that Jesus, again, that Easter is not just a date on a calendar. He, he, it is a person, the resurrection and the life. And there's a deep revelation on the inside of you that you know that you're a new creation in Christ. And old things have passed away. And you're like the Apostle Paul when he said that, that, that my old man was crucified with Christ. But, but this life that I now live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And there's a life on the inside of you. And then there's others of you that are here that you have, a, you have an appreciation for the cross. You, you understand and you've seen and, 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 and you've thought through the suffering of Jesus. The, the time that he spent from, from 9 o'clock in the morning, roughly six hours on the cross and and the pain and the agony, and he did it all so that you and I could be forgiven. And there's a revelation and an understanding that you have that your sin is forgiven and that you have a home in heaven. And then there's some of you that are here today, and you might be brand new to this, but you've heard the story. And you're probably looking around a little bit like, these people are crazy. Do they not know the story? I mean, it happens every year. Spoiler alert. He's alive. He's alive. He's coming back. I mean, you know, we do this every year. Why? You guys can't possibly be this happy about something you already know. Then we have some of the church smart people. They're like, you know, amen. I know when to clap. I know when to stand. I know when to whatever. I know when to amen. I know God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Know how to say all that stuff. And then there are some of you that are here this morning. And you're not in the season of celebration. You're looking around and you're thinking, man, I wish I was this happy. I wish things were going on in my life that, that would cause me. I wish God would show up for me like it looks like he's showing up for some of these other people. And some of you are kind of the church smart people too. You know to clap. You know to rejoice. You know to be happy. But on the inside, you're feeling like, I don't even have a smile. I don't even have anything that I, I in fact, it took everything that you could get do to get here this morning or to turn on your computer and, or, or your phone or, or whatever it might be and watch online. I would be foolish to think that those people are not here this morning. I would be foolish to think that, that perhaps everybody believes, understands, and knows the same thing. Because we don't. You see, we all go through things in life, but we go through things, through things in life differently. I was thinking about this with the pandemic. We all went through the pandemic, but based on what was going on in your life, based on, on, on your age, the, uh, how old your kids were, if you had kids, if you didn't have kids, for, for Shelly and I, the only thing that really changed for us uh, outside of everybody going crazy, the only thing that really changed for us is that we couldn't go to the restaurants. But for other people, our kids and, and their kids, I mean, you know, remote learning, I don't know if you, I, I was, I, I grew up with remote learning. 
because I would be sitting in class looking out the window. You know, I was remotely interested in what was, was going on. And so, so we all go through things, but we go through things differently. We experience pain differently. And so I want to talk to you just a little bit this morning and, and really uh, uh, something that, that I think is going to, well, in fact, I know is going to help all of you. Because, and, and that to me is the beauty is that the thing about God's word, the thing about the revelation that God brings to us by the Holy Spirit is that regardless of the season that you might be in, if, if, if you're not in the celebration season, if, if, if things haven't been going well for you, there is something from the word of God by the spirit of God, if you will open up your heart to it and receive it today, that will help you where you are. If you're in the rejoicing season, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I want you to listen. Because you're not going to spend your entire life living on the mountaintop. You will experience life. You will experience difficult moments. There's a reason that Psalms 23 tells us that this God, this shepherd, will be with us through the valley of the shadow of death. But that's the important point. Even though we walk through the valley of death, we do not have to be afraid. Why? Because God is with me. He's on my side. He's for me. And so the disciples had experienced a great loss. We understand that. We talked a little bit about that on Good Friday. We understand the pain, the suffering, the agony, all the things that Jesus had gone through. The disciples were convinced that he was the Messiah. In their understanding and in their theology, there was no room for a murdered Messiah. There was no room for death. They had not figured that. They couldn't, they couldn't comprehend it. And so when Jesus breathed his last breath and he gave up the ghost, I think that the disciples in that great moment of loss were confused. They were afraid. They didn't know what they were going to do. We read, we'll read here in just a moment, they'd gathered together. I, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall. And, and just what was their conversation like? I, it's like Peter was like, well, maybe I can go back to the pawn shop, get my nets back, and maybe I can go fishing again. I, Luke is like, I guess I'll go back to being a doctor. Because it was over. So we read these words in John chapter 20 and verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders and part of the reason that they were afraid, there are many people who will say that they were afraid because Jesus was murdered and now they thought perhaps they were going to be the next ones to be murdered. And so they were in fear. They had locked the doors hoping nobody would come in. And then it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They were overjoyed when they saw a resurrected Savior. They were overjoyed when they experienced a miracle. They were overjoyed when Jesus showed up for them to prove that he was alive. And how many of you know that's awesome when God shows up in your life? I've had people already tell me after we prayed in agreement last week that God has done things in their life and they're excited and they're happy. And that's a wonderful moment when God answers your prayer or when somebody does something in a kind way that blesses you or says something that encourages you. It is awesome when God shows up. But how many of you know that sometimes it's not so awesome if you miss it? I used to, as a children's pastor, our pastor in Texas, man, we, we would do services Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. He, every month, would bring in guest speakers, and they were long services, long services, two- and three-hour services. And Shelly and I were there with, like, anywhere from 70 to 110 first through sixth graders. It smelled like a big old tennis shoe in there by the time we were done. And it used to make me so angry when parents would come out, oh, you should have been in there. It was so awesome, so wonderful. God moved so mightily. And they're crying. I'm like, get your kid. Go. 
I got to come back tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock <laughs> and do this again. They got to do it tomorrow night. Your kid was horrible the whole time. <laughs> Thought it was funny because he had gas. In church? Absolutely. <laughs> we've had those moments, we've had those times, those, those things that go on. And so, so we know what it's like when Jesus shows up, but we also know what it's like if he doesn't show up. We know what it's like if he doesn't, if we aren't being ministered to in the same way or the same timing that it seems like everybody else. It's awesome when God shows up, but it's not so great when you miss the moment. That's what the main character of today's message, that's what happened to him. Verse 24, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, the word Didymus means the twin. He had a twin brother. He was one of the 12. He was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Everybody say, oh, come on, this is the group participate. Oh, he wasn't there when Jesus showed up. Now, here's the thing. We don't know why he wasn't there. There is absolutely no explanation as to why he missed the moment. For all we know, because the Bible doesn't record it, we've got a lot of tradition saying where he was, what he was doing, he was up to no good. We don't know, he was a scoundrel, he was an unbeliever, he was horrible, whatever it is. He could have been running an errand. He could have been going to get fish. He could have been going to take care of some of the last things, uh, you know, Jesus' personal belongings. are possessed. We don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't there. That we do know. He wasn't there. And he missed the miracle moment. He missed that moment. Sometimes things happen that aren't your fault. I, I, I want you to understand that this way. Sometimes there are things that go on. Sometimes there are things that happen to you in this life that are not your fault. We try to always give an explanation and a reason why this happened. If you've ever heard this phrase, and I don't want to crash any of your, it's actually not theology, but I don't want to crash your feelings or crash your, your beliefs, but I strongly disagree with the phrase, everything happens for a reason. Things happen. I love what I saw on Facebook one time. Sometimes things happen because you're really bad at making smart decisions. <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home. Some of you don't want to say amen too loudly because of the person sitting next to you. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Sometimes things happen. Yes, this world that we live in is a broken, fallen world, and there are things that happen to people all the time that isn't necessarily their fault. There is the law of sowing and reaping. Some people call it karma. Karma is a thing, but it's only a thing because God set it up first. What you sow, you reap. You plant the seed. You're going to get a harvest back. But there are things that happen in this following. If everything happens for a reason, can you tell me, what is the reason for a child growing up in an abusive home? What is the reason for that? If everything happens for a reason, what is the reason for, for kids having to go through the pain of divorce? And I understand things happen. But if there's a reason for what is the reason for a kid going through grade school being bullied? What's the purpose for that? There is no reason for that. It is a result of living in a broken world. Now, I don't want to condemn anybody this morning. I want to be your advocate. I want to be your protection this morning. You need to know the kind of church that you're in. You're in a church that loves you, regardless of where you are. Christianity is not a club. It is not a club for people who have life figured out and everything's going great in their life. Sometimes the church is one of the worst places to go to because it looks like everybody else is perfect and there you are in your pain. And that's where Thomas was. 
Thomas had experienced as much loss as the disciples, as the 12 or the other 11 had. This Jesus that he loved, this Jesus that he thought was the Messiah, this Jesus that he, that he ate with and, and, and woke up with and listened to and saw the miracles, all of the things. This, this, this Thomas experienced all of those things, but he missed that miracle moment. And he was still in the loss when he showed up with the other disciples. Thomas, also known as Didymus, was not with the 12 when the other disciples, or when Jesus came. Verse 25, chapter, I'm sorry, verse 25. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Now, understandably, they're excited. They're happy. They'd be like you and I. Woohoo! Dude, you will not believe it. Thomas, guess what happened? Guess what happened? Thomas, we just can't. Go ahead, guess, guess. You'll never. Go ahead, Thomas, guess. No, that's not it, Thomas. Thomas is like, oh, shut up. I don't even want to. He's still in that painful moment. They're like, Thaddeus, come here, come here. Tell Thomas, he'll never get you. Dude, you will not believe what happened. Jesus, I mean, we were there. Jesus, he was, it's amazing. The doors were locked and he was there. All of a sudden, just standing right there. We saw him. I mean, you know, at that moment, at that time, when, when you're in pain, when you're in loss, when you're in, in, in that place of confusion and somebody else telling you, well, I got a great marriage. My kids rock. You look at Instagram, you look at Facebook, you look at the poster of their perfect life and all the things that are going on, you're thinking, where's my turn? When is this gonna happen for me? And that's where Thomas was at that moment. That's where Thomas was at that time. It goes on and he says, so, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Tom's like, that's good for you, but the person I followed, the person I believed in, he's dead. He's gone. I'm not sure that I believe you guys. I've had it. I'm sick of hearing you guys. All your God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Well, God's not good for me because I haven't seen anything. I haven't felt anything. I don't know what to think about what you are saying. This is Thomas's reaction, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. There are some of you that are here today and you've heard and you've witnessed and, and you're around people that, that maybe have a, a revelation of resurrection. You're around some other people that are church smart, know how to act when they're in church. But, but there are people that are in here today that are watching online. That you might feel a lot like Thomas today. I, unless I see something happen in my life, unless I feel something happen in my life, I'm not sure I'm going to believe. I don't know. I don't know if I want to believe or not. You see, we watch our situations and compare our situations and our realities with other people, which we shouldn't do. Bible tells you those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. You know what it means to be not wise? Stupid. <laughs> Sorry if that offends you on Easter Sunday. <sighs> I really believe that Thomas wanted to believe. I really believe that things were going on that he wished, that he desired, that he wanted to know, that he really, really, really wanted to believe. But because of this moment in his life, he earned the nickname Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. And I'll just say to you that if he really was doubting Thomas, then we should all carry that title. So we should all carry that title. Doubting Thomas. 
You know, people want to label you for a season of your life. People want to label you because of one thing that happened in your life. People want to label you and make you out to be that this is your, this is what the devil does. The devil takes us, we've all done stupid things. We've all done bad things. We've all done wrong things. But what the devil wants to do, he can't convince you that you've done a wrong thing because you already know you did the wrong thing. You know immediately, especially if you're a believer because you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that is the witness. It's like, oh man, I was wrong, I shouldn't have done that. But what the enemy wants to do is he doesn't want to convince you you did something wrong. He's trying to convince you that you are something wrong. He wants you to carry that label through your entire life. He wants you to carry the label that you're a loser. He wants, to carry, wants you to carry the label that you're a failure, that you'll never amount to anything, that, that every relationship is gonna end in disaster, that you'll never make a wise financial decision. Because that's what he does. Thomas earned the nickname Doubting Thomas. But before we give him that nickname, let me just give you a quick story. You might be familiar with uh, uh, the moment a, a very good friend of Jesus, his name was Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. And word came to Jesus and the disciples. He was in Judea. And word came to Jesus and the disciples that Lazarus was sick unto death. And Jesus said, well, we're going to go see Lazarus, <clears throat> but we're going to wait. And when he said, we're going to go to Judea and we're going to, <laughs> this is in, in John chapter, I think John chapter 11, if you read the first part of the story, he said, we're going to go to Judea and we're going to, uh, um, we're going to take care of, we're going to minister to Lazarus. We're going to go wake him up. One of the disciples said, uh, Jesus, you know, this is a smart disciple looking out for Jesus and himself. He said, Jesus, don't you remember the last time we went to Judea? They tried to stone you. They wanted to kill you in Judea. Maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't just go there. Just maybe we should stay right here where we are. Because after all, good for you if you live, really good for us if we live. The idea of being stoned, not a lot of fun, not a lot of excitement with that kind of a thing. And, and notice verse 14 of John chapter 11. So then, this is Jesus. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Now remember, Jesus, not a good idea. They tried to kill you the last time that we were there. Then Thomas, also Didymus, the twin, the same, I will not believe you unless I touch, unless I see. That same guy said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I don't know, when I read that, I was like, man, I see a Viking warrior. I see like a Roman centurion with a sword and a shield hitting that thing saying, today is a good day to die. Who will be with me? That's doubting Thomas. Not only was he willing to die, he was getting everybody else, come on, let's go. Jesus is going to die. We're going to die too. It's going to be so exciting, so much fun. But something happened. He went from, I'm going to die with you, Faith, to I will not believe unless. Now, I don't know what you faced in your life. I don't know what you've gone through. But maybe you're in that place today where you had faith, you had excitement, you had, joy, you had all of those things, but things have happened and it's like now, I don't feel like I used to feel. Or maybe you're still in that place like, man, I don't know what these people are thinking. I don't know, I don't know what they're drinking or smoking, what's in their communion, but I want some more. <laughs> John chapter 20, verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. This is the same place that Jesus had met them the first time. And Thomas 
was with them. Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. This was an instant replay of the week before. Instant replay of what had happened the week before, except that Thomas was now with them. And I don't want you to miss that point. Thomas showed up. Thomas was there. In his pain, in his loss, in his confusion, in his fear, all of those things, Thomas was still with them. And sometimes the greatest lesson is for you to just show up, to be around those of like precious faith, to be in an atmosphere where God is, to be in a place where two or three are gathered together. Jesus said, I will be there with them or with you. I will be in the midst of that group of people. The enemy wants you to be isolated. The enemy wants you to, 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 to be in a position where you are not around other people. You, you know, everybody knows what, how, if you've ever thrown a pity party, guess what? Nobody shows up. You can invite all kinds of people to your pity party. You know what they're going to do? They're going to see you coming and they're going to be like, oh, look at the time. If you've ever done this on your cell phone, you're not talking to anybody, but you sure look like you are. Well, I just told off on myself. Pastor John does that. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's the one that does that. <laughs> Show up. Be there. Don't quit. Show up, be there, don't quit. Show up, be there, don't quit. But here's the other side of that. The disciples welcomed him back. Amen. If Thomas would have showed up in some church and say, well, where were you last week? You weren't here. What's wrong with you? You're an out, I mean, we treat him like an outcast. We treat him like he had no value. We treat him in, in, in a way that he wouldn't want to show his face. Thomas was there with them, and they welcomed him back. The, one, the ones that had all kinds of faith welcomed in the one that had no faith. And I want you to hear that, church, because we don't care what you have been through. We don't care what's gone on in your life. This place will always be accepting of you. This place will always be a place of grace because grace doesn't quit. Grace doesn't stop. Grace continues to reach. Grace continues to love. Grace continues to go beyond the borders of self so that a person can ultimately find transformation in their life. We understand that growth in grace that equals transformation takes time. Some of the people around you, it took at least two or three weeks for them to become perfect. You'll eventually get there. <laughs> Whew. Anybody else, but I'm excited. Verse 27. See, Jesus showed up, but this is what's cool to me. He said to Thomas, he said to Thomas, he said to Thomas. He didn't address the others. He didn't address the other. Hey, Luke, how's it going? How's the practice going? He's still, you know, checking people's hearts, you know, all that stuff. <coughs> you know, whatever it might be. Yo, John, man, let me hug your neck again. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He went right to Thomas. He said to Thomas. He said to Thomas. He went to Thomas. And guess what? Thomas didn't have to tell his story. Thomas didn't have to give him a long excuse. He didn't have to give him all the things. Well, you know, Jesus, I'm really sorry. I, 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 he didn't have to do any of those things. That should be a lesson to a lot of you. Quit telling your story to the wrong people. Quit telling your story to Facebook. Quit telling your story and everything's going on to your friends. Jesus already knows the story. He already knows what's going on in your life. He already knows what you've been through. He doesn't need the story. He doesn't need the details because he knows them. You get so lost in your story and your details that you cannot hear the Savior. 
So it goes on. Put Jesus said this. Pastor John, come here one step up here for a second. I'm going to be Jesus. You're going to be Thomas. Now, I did this so that people online can see. This is what he said. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting. Believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. So here's the thing. I'm Jesus. And I'm coming up to Thomas. He says, hey, Tom, good to see you, man. Go ahead and touch my hands. Right there's the nail scars. Go ahead and touch it. Now, I think you can sit back down. Now, I think Jesus had a sense of humor. Go ahead, Thomas, touch. Go ahead, Thomas, put your, looks pretty real, doesn't it, Thomas? Go ahead and put your hand in my side. It's kind of gross, isn't it? But, but it's real. You can, you can see, Thomas, my Lord, my God. Now, I don't know, in my world, you can have a, 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 a fuddy-duddy Jesus, but I don't really want a fuddy-duddy Jesus. I want a Jesus that's real. Hallelujah. Plus, then it gives me a opportunity to be a fool for him. So Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You see, the goal wasn't for Jesus to put Thomas in his place. The goal wasn't for Jesus to condemn him, make him feel bad, make him feel sorry. That was not the goal. The goal was for Jesus to get Thomas to believe. Because it is faith, it is believing that changes everything. Your story is your story. My reality, yes, it is. Popular today. Live your truth. Can I just tell you that's a bad idea? If it's your truth? Because if your truth was forged out of abuse, it's not truth. If your truth was forged and, and it leaves you with an idea that you amount to nothing, that you have no value or worth, I would encourage you to exchange your truth for the truth. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And Jesus said that when you know the truth, do you know the truth won't set you free? It's knowing the truth that sets you free. And to the degree that you know the truth, that will be the degree of freedom in your life. If you don't know the truth, the truth is the only vehicle whereby freedom will come into your life. Now, here's the thing. Thomas thought he had missed the moment. Thomas thought that he had missed that time that Jesus showed up, and he wasn't sure if he was ever going to get that moment again. And for you and I, there are people again in here today that maybe you think you've missed the moment. Maybe you think you've done so many things so badly and so wrong that, that you have missed that moment of opportunity. And you see everybody else, and they're happy and excited, and you're wondering, well, what about me? Maybe I've missed it. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe I... Maybe I just don't know enough. Well, we never, none of us ever know enough. Maybe all of those things. <laughs> Can I tell you this morning? It's not finished. Say it again. It's not finished. There's a gift that's on the inside of you. There's a life that's on the inside of you. There's a desire that God has put on the inside of you that is yearning for freedom and growth, waiting for you to believe. Now, let me just quickly... Say this, everything that Jesus accomplished on the cross was for a purpose bigger than you and I. Everything that Jesus did on Calvary's cross was for a purpose bigger. We are all excited this morning because of what Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection means to us, to me. I'm forgiven, a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. There's a brand new life on the inside of me. I'm a child of God. Whew. Bible tells me that I have favor angels around me. 
I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I don't have to be afraid because my God's with me. He goes before me, makes my crooked places straight. He exalts my valleys and he makes my mountains low. He's my rear guard. He's got my back. Why would I be afraid? I'm not going to be afraid of what man can do to me. See, all of those things are true. All of those things are about who you are. Praise God for them. But that's not the end of the story. In the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Dr. Luke was writing to a friend by the name of Theophilus, and he said, these things have I written unto you. The things that Jesus began to do and to teach. You see, he was there when Jesus began to do some things. He was the one who wrote the gospel of Luke, but now he also wrote the book of Acts. And so he was writing to a friend and he told him these things that Jesus started to do something and he started to teach something. And he said, I'm sort of in in the in-between. Jesus started it, but he handed it off to us. He handed it off to the disciples. And then verse nine, there's a whole lot of things that happen. And for the sake of time, let me just skip down to something. After saying this, this is Jesus. Jesus had said, Boys, I want you to go to the city of Jerusalem. I want, you, I want you to wait until you're endued with power from on high. Then you're going to be witnesses. Be witnesses to the entire world. You start out in Jerusalem. You're going to go to Judea. They're going to put their rocks down. Go to Judea. You're going to go to Samaria. I know you don't like the Samaritans. I know you don't think that God loves the Samaritans, but you're going to go there. You're going to go to the othermost parts of the world. This message of the gospel is not designed just for you, not just for your house. It is designed for the world. And then something miraculous happened. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And the picture is simply this. Jesus is standing there. He's giving them instruction. And then all of a sudden, while the disciples are there, it's like. And they just watch. Now, Jesus had been popping in and out for 40 days after the resurrection. He had appeared, did things, miracles, all kinds of cool things happened. And so they're standing there, looking up into heaven. Well, is he coming back pretty soon? When's he coming back? Man, the fish are on the grill. We got to get going here. As they strained to see him rising into the heavens, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. And I see them. They're all standing there. They're looking like this, trying to spot them. The clouds might be in the sky. And here come the two white-robed men that we know as as angels. And I think they kind of look at them, and then they're like, Looking at, you know, and finally go, what are you guys looking at? What are you looking for? And they're standing like, ain't nothing up there anymore. He's gone. And then they say this, men of Galilee, why, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday, 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 he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. Book of Revelation, Jesus, it it says it, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Everybody say quickly. Jesus is coming back. The Bible says that he's coming back quickly. Say quickly one more time. Bible also says that he is slow to anger. God is slow to wrath. If God's quick takes 2,000 years, how slow is slow? If God's quick is 2,000 years, then how slow is slow? Some of you think that the things that are going on in your life is because God's mad at you. And I can, I can, I, I, that is a lie that you're believing. It's straight from the pit of hell. God is, he is slow to anger. He's quick to hear, 
Jesus is coming back the same. And so the reason that I say these things to you is that because I know some of you are here today and you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. You're born again. You got a new life on the inside of you, but you're not finished. There is a mission that God sent his church to this world to complete so that every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every race, every tribe, every tongue, so that every single human being on planet earth gets the opportunity to hear that there is a savior, that whenever we think it's finished, it is not finished. There is always a tomorrow. There is always new hope for today and and tomorrow. There's always the new thing that God wants to do and we rejoice in that, but there are some who do not know and it's up to us to tell them. It's up to us to live that testimony. It is up to us to live that life. Now, how many of you know, want to know when Jesus is going to come back? Only about three. I guess we'll cancel where we're going next, all right? How many of you want to know when Jesus is, all right? Could be today. I hope it's after I finish eating lunch. I think the marriage supper of the lamb is going to be awesome. I've asked Pastor John and Pastor Tim over the next two weeks to do a series of messages, just two weeks. So their wheelhouse way more than my wheelhouse. They're gonna do a a series called uh, I'll Be Back. Because that's what Jesus said, I'll be back. (laughs) We're just gonna cover a few of those points and it's gonna be exciting, it's gonna be fun. So, uh, So that's just a couple of things coming up in the next week. But would you please bow your heads with me this morning? Church, we have an assignment. We have a mission. The mission wasn't finished when you accepted Jesus as your Savior. But for those of you that are here today, and this maybe is all brand new to you. It might even seem weird to you, but there's something churning on the inside of you. There's something that's like, man, I don't know what this is, but I think I want it. Or maybe you're here today, and you've been sort of like, man, I I used to be like the rest of you, but man, some things went on, and I just have drifted away from him. If, if, if that's you in either one of those cases, with your heads bowed, with your eyes closed, please, nobody looking around in this moment. This is between you and God. I'm looking because I get to pray with you. If you're here today and say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I, I give you my life. I, I want that new start. I want that new life. I want you to forgive my sins. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up real high? I want to pray with you this morning. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Anyone else today? Yes, sir, thank you. Anyone else? Yes, yes, thank you. Couple, thank you. Wow, one, two, three, four. Thank you, five. Hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Seven, eight, thank you. Nine, thank you. Ten, 11, 12, 13, thank you. Thank you, thank you. 14, 15, hallelujah. 16, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. With your heads bowed, your eyes still closed, would you all pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I need a Savior. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to give me a brand new life. I believe today you died for me. And I also believe today that you're alive that you conquered death. So I thank you today. My sin is forgiven. My name is written in the book of life. And I have a home secure in heaven. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for these that have prayed this prayer. And I ask you to be the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, that you who began a good work in them will see it through to completion. I thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now, if you made that decision, amen, give Jesus a praise. If you made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life this morning, uh, you can. we've got a new thing. Just help us a little bit. You can text JOY, J-O-Y, to a number. If we have that, could you put that up? And I can't remember the, the text, the number two. Uh, but when you get a moment, if you would put that slide up, that would be awesome. And uh, you can text that number. I should have it, and I apologize that I don't. But if that was you, whether you're online, whether you're at home, it's up there now, praise God. All right, and with that, God bless you. Have an awesome Easter Sunday, and we'll see you next week as we, these guys kick off. I'll be back. 